Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And it's finally December, mm-hmm. which means 2020 is about to be over, one of the longest decades in a while. Um, <laughs> we're finally getting through it. No, it, feel, it felt like a, maybe the fastest and shortest year ever, but we are finally in the home stretch. Yeah, it was a weird year because, I mean, you came in every single, every day. The rest of us had three or four months off, right? right? Yeah, and you had to do a bunch of, mo- wow, we moved into the studio this year. Like, a lot has changed. A lot this has year. changed, there, a this lot has gone down. A lot of things happened this year, um, just like on the channel, which is pretty 100%. Pretty so great. in today's episode, we're gonna talk about uh, a little bit of the year-end stuff, the blind smartphone camera test, BTS. We're gonna talk about Galaxy S21 possibly not shipping with a charger brick. Then we'll get into Apple's new $550 AirPods Max headphones, and we'll talk Apple Silicon. And then at the end, we actually have an interview with Mark Gurman, where we just talk about iPhone 13, possibly not having a port, and what that could mean for the rest of the industry. So let's just jump right in, straight from the top. Uh, you have any content you liked for the last couple of weeks? I have a super quick one. Um, I've just been playing a lot of Valorant lately, and they just had their first big tournament. So congrats. I was rooting for 100 Thieves. They won. Super pumped about that. Wait, okay. It was, Valorant is sorry. a game. Valorant's a game that's very similar <laughs> to like Counter-Strike, which I'm sure you've heard of. I've heard of it. It's like tactical shooter. They call it basically like a shooter that's super strategy-based. Um, okay. I just got it really into it because all my friends got into it. And there's a couple players on 100 Thieves that I really like. So I've been rooting for them. And they just won the first big North American tournament. So oh, that's sick. Is it yeah, a new it was, like a newish game? Or yeah, just newish? probably only like... Four or five months old, okay. I'd say. Yeah. So it sounds like if they're already having tournaments, like it's kind of getting yeah, big it's, fast. It's owned by Riot, who does League of Legends. So like they know how to do tournaments and leagues and stuff. And obviously it's a lot different because it's all virtual, um, yeah. which they do do a lot of virtual stuff. But usually when they get into these big ones, they do like LAN events. Um, they couldn't for obvious reasons, but they still made a really good tournament. Riot knows how to, they get casters, they get interviews, they do everything. They make it as 
as close to real sports as possible. Hey, launching something physical is not easy, but launching a game in 2020 is also probably very, very difficult. So props to them on that. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Spotify Wrapped. I just feel like every year, so I started uh, doing the Spotify rap thing in 2016, but I'm sure it's older than that. But basically, it'll just take your whole year of how many music, how many minutes of music you listen to mm-hmm. and sort of sort it out and tell you what your top songs were, top artists, top albums, top genres. And it compiles it all into this one really shareable image and this like shareable link and playlist that yeah. people just can't help but share. It's such a good idea. It's like, marketing genius it's yeah. pretty great and i i know i every year i want to resist like the urge to tweet my spotify wrapped and i always share it, had, it. i don't know yeah. why it's, it's great every year i like i look at I, I tweeted about this every year i look at mine and i go oh i can't wait to see what this is and then every year i realize how predictable i am and it's <laughs> basically the same stuff um but it's still interesting to see and see everyone else i, I think, think i listen to the least music out of everyone here it yeah, this was like... the this was the year that I my my minutes was the lowest it's been in a long time because there was less flights, less travel. True flights. So I for some I mean I'm I'm usually listening to a lot of music, but I only had 40,000 minutes this year and I'm pretty sure like 2 years ago oh, I had 75, 78,000 minutes. Huh. So, a big drop off, but I still this this is the first year that Kanye West wasn't in my top 5 artists of the year. Huh. In like 5 years. So that's that's something. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I only had I had seventeen thousand minutes listened, and is that is that including podcasts? I I think it's just all of Spotify. Just yeah. all of Spotify. I I forget how many podcasts it said I'd listened to. This is a year, despite uh, not commuting as much, I still listen to a ton of podcasts, especially political ones around the right. election time. So, shout out oh. to everyone who had the Waveform podcast yeah. in their top five podcasts listened to. For Spotify Wrapped, uh, we saw those. We saw the mentions. Mm-hmm. Saw you guys on Twitter sharing your Spotify Wrapped. A lot of people had Waveform number one, which is crazy. So yeah, shout there, out to you guys. There was that. There were some people who had like it would show uh, how many episodes you listen to in a day, and some people were out with like six or seven, which is so they're if binging. If you're spending seven hours of your day listening to us, oh, okay. I'm so thank sorry. you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's probably a lot. Um, and like people listening to 26 episodes this year and stuff like that it's cool to see actually so spotify did a a wrapped for podcasters which i brought up here that has some cool stuff oh we did have you get a, a chance to listen to look i have at not this yet? i have not seen this yet we'll go through this together really quick sure um i love numbers so this should be good numbers are fun there's some cool stuff let me see um waveform podcast grew 177 percent in india wow Shout out India. So that's I, more than doubling. Because if it grew 100%, that means it doubled. So it's more yeah, than double. It almost tripled. That's pretty that sweet for a year. I mean, this is our first real big full year, but that's awesome. Yeah, I guess it's probably comparing to last year, which was started in August, right? Yeah. So, so first full year. Makes sense. But still, it's 78% in UK, 60% growth in the US. So that's pretty awesome. I think it said we were played in 85 countries. Wow. 85 I can't yeah honestly I probably could not name 85 countries so that's a pretty awesome number I don't know number. if I really could either um yeah that's it's really weird thinking I mean this is something you've probably thought about for a long time like how where your voice is traveling across the world through oh, YouTube man. but this is the first time for me I've been like why it's crazy <laughs> some of the some of the YouTube stats you can really dig down into if uh-huh. you start to narrow it down uh just because of the scale of the channel you'd be like all right this, this really popular video. How many people uh, watched this video who were male ages 18 to 35 
living in New York and you can narrow it down. It'll be like 3,000. You're like, mm-hmm. geez, that's a lot. You can narrow it down to like how many people, male ages 55 to 65, living in Nepal, uh, you know, between these dates and this time huh. on a tablet with less than version Android 7, watch this video. And it'll be like 13. You're like, how are there that many of those people? That's incredible. So yeah, the scale of it is pretty crazy. Let's see. There, there's like one or two more cool things in here. Oh, our, I don't really get, it says our peak position was number three. And I'm assuming because later in here it says we were the number three technology podcast on Spotify. Oh, this says six most popular. In the U.S.? Versus in the worldwide. U.S. That's pretty cool. Though. Huh. I mean, even number six is it's pretty wild. Sorry, this feels a little like patting ourselves on the back, but I hope you guys. Uh, 1,900 minutes, 27 episodes. That's a, I can't believe we recorded that much. And to think about how much we cut out. It's, I definitely don't talk that much until the podcast. And then the podcast is like most of the talking that we do in the week. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. Here, well, last stat we'll do from this is, there are 44,000 people who we are their top podcast. They listen to our podcast more than any other podcast that they listen to. Well, I want to give a shout out to those 44,194 people. Huge pat <laughs> on the back. I don't know if you just don't listen to other podcasts on Spotify, if you just listen to others on others, but that <laughs> I'll take that anyway. Um, sick. Why don't we talk about the the blind smartphone camera test? Yeah. It's I think finally live. Everyone gets to see the results. We've done a lot of discussing about like, Obviously, uh, last episode, we talked about the first two or three rounds. Um, and then in the video, we obviously talked about our findings from it. But I, I felt like we kind of wanted to go behind the scenes here. And one thing we do that un- it's kind of sad that only we can do this because we're the only people that know the phones and we don't want to ever release it. But we do our own March Madness kind of bracket. Oh, yeah, here. it's great. Um, so we like we wrote down the bracket and then beforehand, all five of us took the phones we knew and tried to make a bracket prediction. Right. So we all knew what the letters were at the beginning and what all the first round matchups were. And we tried to fill out how the bracket would go. And then as we went through the rounds and you guys all voted for certain phones and knocked out all our favorites, we slowly lost points and went crazy, but ended up having some pretty decent predictions. Two of you actually Mm -hmm. predicted the Zen phone to be the winner which says that we were paying attention in previous years when it lost narrowly. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So you guys had the most points in your March Madness brackets or December Madness brackets, if yeah, you want to yeah. call it that. Um, yeah, I think it's a... Uh, I feel like people probably hearing that two out of five of us got it right seems weird, but we've been able to watch this behind the scenes for three years, and we watched the Zenfone do really well against the Mate 30, who was the 2018 winner last year. Um, it, it was reasonable, to pick it. It did have to go against Pixel 5, which is tough, but we've also watched Pixel lose yeah. a ton. So um, I think final points, the way we did it was if you guessed first round right, one point, second round, two points, third round, three points, finals, four points. I wound up with 18, Brandon had 13, Marquez had 12, Vin had eight, and Michael had two. But oh. M- Michael had a clear, clear disadvantage of all of us have gotten to see this happen for three straight years, and True. this is his first time. True. Um, He's really going to win behind the scenes. He's for sure going to win next year. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I I just found the the iPhone conversation that came out of this so interesting. Like there's always a lot of interesting conversations we get out of when we publish 
uh, something that we find that's new like this. And what we've known for the past few years is that when an iPhone takes a picture of me, it's always very blue and very cool for some reason. Something we also have noticed, and I guess noticed isn't the right word, but every one of these years we've done this test, the first round photo has been a photo of me mm-hmm. because we're trying to get as many variables as possible, skin tone, sky, you know, dynamic range and white balance and everything. So each year the iPhone in the first round gets a picture of me, goes to blue, and loses. And this year was no exception. The iPhone 12 Pro Max was the most blue of probably all of the other phones in the bracket. And uh, you're trying to kind of figure out why it might do that. Obviously, the iPhone is one of the best smartphone cameras, so why does it go blue? What is it trying to do? I think the best we came up with was, okay, it's it's probably trying to saturate some of the cooler hues, like a blue sky will look more blue when your photo's overall more blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just trying to, like, brighten up faces. And there's a, a really interesting article. I want to say it was either 9to5Mac or, or something like that where they were talking about why they disagreed with the voters who voted for OnePlus who beat the iPhone. And I actually, I, I understand their reasoning while I disagree. Basically, they were saying the iPhone failed in a more helpful way than the OnePlus photo. That is to say the iPhone blew out highlights lost the sky in the background, Mm -hmm. but overexposed and brightened up my face, which is the actual subject. Where a lot of people looking at the comparison saw the blown out background on the iPhone photo and said, ah, this is worse, and voted for the OnePlus. When in reality, the OnePlus photo actually lost some of the deepest, darkest shadows on my face and on my clothes, which were black. And so the, the, the argument was, the iPhone actually failed in a more helpful way because you're taking a picture of the person, not the sky. And so I get that. Um, but yeah, that's that's just always a fascinating conversation. And I kind of wonder, just now that we've seen this three years in a row iPhone mm-hmm. losing, here's been my, uh, my challenge is, I wonder if we could design a test, a blind test, and try to, air quotes here, rig it mm-hmm. in a way that we know the iPhone will win. Because we've seen it lose very consistently in the yeah. same way every year with a certain skin tone with a certain subject. But if we continue and take photos with it in other cases, it might have won. So I wonder if we could design a test where we know it would win. might be kind of hard. I think it would be hard. I think since it's been so consistently losing, we could probably find something to cater to its needs um, that I think it could do really well in. But again, it still has to go against a lot of phones that process quite a bit more than it does and like seem to come to the conclusion of what people like out of a stock photo so like i still think it yeah it still would be hard i think we could get it past the first round pretty pretty much don't include a sky yeah and i mean i i almost think like change the subject of change the person and probably change like a lot of the other colors in the subject to start to be more more cool colors yeah things that should go cool i guess yeah it would be It would be interesting. I think one thing that people don't realize is it's like the first round of photos always kind of wind up being the worst and being like cameras fail at it the worst is because it's generally the hardest photo of the whole bracket. Because when you have 16 phones put together, if all of them have an easy subject, it's going to be really hard voting. Like first round would be really boring if everything was decided by one or 2%, which just means it was essentially a coin flip. Like, yeah you have to give some a tough subject in the beginning to watch some things really shine or at least 
give some things a couple different opportunities to shine. Exactly. Um, so that's a hard one. I, I don't fault the iPhone. For, just because the iPhone took a bad picture there doesn't mean it's a bad camera. There's a lot of comments that oh, are like, of course. oh, iPhone can never make it past the first round. It's terrible. It's like, no, that's not no. true at all. Yeah. we. Um, I continue to only use iPhone video for substituting smartphone video on the channel, which is, I, th- I think, a pretty big uh, step forward for a smartphone camera to make. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a it was a fun experiment as it always is, and we'll continue to mess with it and see how we can tweak it and make it better. Uh, we also want to talk about there was that Pocophone <laughs> video, Pocophone M3, and that phone. As we were drafting up like a thumbnail, which we kind of tend to just want to get an idea for thumbnail as we're making a video. Yeah. As we're drafting it up, I think Vin was just kind of remarking, "Hey, it kind of looks like an Among Us character." Mm-hmm. And then we all went, "Wait, it really does." And then it just turned into a thumbnail and a theme for the I video. I think it like yeah, it was we were. We we don't really draw it on the whiteboard very often, but like every once in a while someone has an idea and it's hard to like get everyone else to think the same. So you drew it on the whiteboard. Vin said, Oh, that kind of looks like an Among Us character. And then I was like, wait a minute, but and the whole basis of this video is that the price tag is kind of weird and mm-hmm. like suspicious. And we were like, Oh my god. It's a theme. Yeah, there we we're go. Running. I think we spent like two or three hours just making the thumbnail. No and the little floaty things. Brandon did an awesome job on yeah. all that. Uh, no regrets at all. Yeah, I thought that was a fun story that people might want to hear. Um, and then a, re- a real news story here. Samsung S21 oh my God. <laughs> charging brick. There's been, this phone has actually kind of leaked a lot more than I thought. And I think it's coming out earlier in the year than uh, previous S launches. They've usually <laughs> been around like March. And now last, it's moving up. I think last one was end of February because it was our last trip. Yeah, and if you look at our calendar, we were in San Francisco at some point in February before we right. stopped doing anything. So it's leaking like crazy again. It's got this kind of uh, interesting corner camera cutout design mm-hmm. where it's not a rounded square again, but it's more, uh, I guess, just push the rounded square over halfway over the edge of the phone, and it's it's yeah, now how separated. Would, how would you describe that? It like blends in with the rail. It's like a. It's like a little cutout. I don't know. You you'll know what I'm talking about yeah. if you see the 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 leaks and rumors. But the one we're talking about is Galaxy S21 not shipping with a charging brick. Mm-hmm. Now, are they like when they talk about because you know they're gonna have an okay. unpacked event, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to address it, right? They I think they say just it. ignore it. I feel like Samsung's the company that just ignores stuff. I mean, unless they also go the environmental route. But so quickly. The rumor that this is coming from, it's been rumored for a while, I think. I think we talked about it in July that there was a potential rumor. But now a blog in Brazil called Tech... Where... Oh, a, a blog in Brazil called Technoblog found some like certifications that specifically said uh, will not be sold with a power supply and this cell phone will not be sold with headphones. So whether that's a regional thing... It feels like having rumors beforehand, though, and then physically seeing this on paper now, it seems very likely it would not yeah. have it. Okay. My hot take is this isn't as bad as Apple removing the headphone jack, or a- as Apple removing the charger from their box. Okay. And the reason for that is, okay, let's say Samsung does all the same stuff, right? Samsung gets a smaller box for their phone. Mm-hmm. They ship millions of phones. They have more efficiency that way. They ship no headphones like Apple ship no headphones. They just ship a USB Type-C cable. The thing is, most people buying the Galaxy S21 
already actually have a USB-C charger. Okay. And that's fine. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair to say it's slightly better. Now most than Apple, most yeah. iPhone I know the argument is most iPhone buyers already have a lightning charger mm-hmm. and that's also fine, but the the cable you're going to get in the box is probably going to be a USB-C to USB-C cable. So in the rare case that you do have to buy a charger or you do have to get a charger, you have to get a USB-C charger. You're more likely to already have one on that Android phone than the iPhone because Apple has only shipped one for one year. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm hot take well, <laughs> saying I guess, it's a little better. Yeah, a little, a little better. A little better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the reason I think it's, I mean, maybe for the consumer, but on the other hand, two months ago, Samsung was releasing tweets and stuff making fun of Oh, but that's, that's right online. But that's that perfect. is quick. The headphone thing was like, it took a year or two for them to make fun of it and then Fair. go against it. <laughs> and this is like three months. The truest there. thing in tech is things that have already happened will continue to happen again. And this happened with the headphone jack pretty much right online, maybe a little bit of a longer timeline, but we've, we've all seen the, the headlines where like Apple gets rid of the headphone jack, Samsung runs ads for an entire year about how crazy that mm-hmm. is and how they would never do that. And in their next phone release, they go, you know what else it has? A headphone jack and the whole crowd goes, oh, they're talking about Apple <laughs> there. And that that lasted about a year before they got rid of the headphone jack and their very next flagship. Yeah, And we're very quiet about it. And I don't think that's they even, why did think, they even say it in their keynote? That's the question. I don't know. And that's why I wonder if the charging brick thing will be brought up right. at all or ignored. Because they have already publicly, apparently they deleted the tweets already. Oh, about and it. it's so happening. That, yeah. It's happening. Um, but that's why I think they're just going to kind of ignore it because they've already made fun of it. It will make no difference. Well, Samsung does is, not care if they're going to be hypocritical. The about thing about this. like saying nothing is like you really should say at least a positive because people are going to get that phone and be like, wait, there's no charging brick. Mm-hmm. But Apple had to see that coming and spin it positively and it happened to be better for the environment. So, hey, look, smaller box, yeah. sleeker packaging, more efficiency. I think Samsung should at least say that. Like, hey, look at this new Galaxy unboxing experience and have, like, BTS on stage unboxing the new smaller box. And they'll conveniently forget to mention that there's no charging brick in the box, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll be very excited about the new smaller box. I think that's how Okay, so that's how they bring it. They don't physically mention it doesn't have it, but they show it and explain the other benefits around it. They show the new smaller box, they unbox it, and they go, okay. wow, look how great that was. And then they all go... All right, moving on. Okay, <laughs> I no think, one says. I feel like we kind of agree here. That's I don't think they're physically going to mention the charging brick, but yeah, it it does make sense that they would show something like that. Yeah. Again, it's it's, and I think I had a pretty bad take on this previously with Apple. Um, I was like pretty into defending them with their environmental stance, but I, I was wrong. <laughs> I was just straight up wrong. It was a bad take. Um, I saw a really great quote lately, which yeah. was. A smart person, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing, but okay. a smart person has two answers to why they did something. The good answer and the real answer. Okay. And for Apple, <laughs> getting rid of the charger, the good answer was, oh, the environment, mm-hmm. which is technically true. But they had a real answer behind the scenes, which was dollar dollar bills. Well, yeah, I, I think it's also not like totally fair to say it's just Apple. It's every smartphone company. Apple just seems to be a little, they seem to pioneer the profit first. They should all be thanking Apple. Yeah, honestly, all these companies should be thanking Apple for like catching the beginning of the flack and then 
Because well, do we really think Samsung would have gotten rid of the headphone jack first if no one else had done it? I think it might have taken them much longer. I think the headphone jack was like more of a like commitment to getting rid of it. Like a, a charging brick doesn't seem that crazy, but like a whole headphone jack that just seemed like such a staple in a phone to seemed get rid pretty, of it seems pretty important. Yeah, you we'll just, talk more about. This. You just did a whole video actually, portless iPhones about uh, yeah. like has selling solutions. So that's. That's what Apple does well, and now... Yeah, we'll talk more with Mark German about that at the mm -hmm. end of the episode, but that's definitely a, a thought that goes through our minds a lot. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some very, 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 very expensive headphones. Huh. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity... But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast, to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, let's talk headphones. We got a little, a little one more thing from Apple. After their one more thing announcement, we got another thing which is a, a very strangely announced two week before Christmas, uh, new drop of headphones. They're called AirPods Max. So they're over ear, noise canceling, wireless headphones. Uh, they look kind of like those, uh, those big magnetic, planar magnetic headphones. Those sort of classic older yeah, design. Yeah, they remind me like. But like a little mm -hmm. more modernized and they have a couple colors now, the same colors as the iPad Pro, black, that silver, funny, green, man. blue, pink. And they retail for $550, which immediately, of course, sparks this outcry. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. I, we have the headphones now. We've dropped our first impressions video. 
it's a surprisingly like I guess I shouldn't be surprised that a lot of people are talking about a new expensive Apple product, but it's just a huh. just a confusing launch that they would just quietly drop weird. this new thing. First of all, how do you feel that there's a name? Do I you hate the name. Name is the first thing I want to talk about. Okay. Um, we we like we're talking about this earlier. AirPods Max. I liked. I really liked the rumor of AirPods Studio. Yeah, I think that made way more sense. Whether they eventually come out with like a pro grade version of one later, which I can't imagine how much more that would be for maybe like people in the studio or pro users. Yeah. Um, but AirPods Max seem weird, and I think the reason I have an issue with it is for so long we've heard Apple basically replace the word buds with pods on everything. Like we're used to ear buds. Right. They called them air pods, ear pods. So yeah. I just automatically assume pod meant bud. I so think you're not alone. Over ear. But then we talked about how there's HomePod and HomePod mini. So does pod just mean something that plays audio? I think pod just means audio product for Apple. Okay. So we have AirPods, we have ear pods, we have HomePods, and this is HomePod, this is AirPod max so air just means wireless i guess um yeah that, i mean that makes sense there yeah. you got one out of the three words you so got air pod max sense. air means wireless pod means audio and max means big all these things are true including the price is there gonna be it's, an it's AirPod mini i want to talk about what i think is coming <laughs> next because i actually think there's a conversation there about like the the tesla strategy but just uh, you know first impressions in case you haven't seen the videos these are like really, really high quality materials and like they're, they're metal. Most headphones aren't this much metal. There's stainless, or I think it's titanium and aluminum. Okay. There's definitely aluminum on the, on the cans and I think there's either stainless steel or titanium as the frame. Uh, yeah. They're flexible, but they're also a little bit heavy because of all that. They're so, very heavy. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta think about like, what's the typical use case for these? Who are these for? Um, here's my evaluation of just like, them launching $550 headphones like this. I see it as, uh, well, here, here's the first thing I thought is, all right, I love Sony's WH-1000XM4s. Mm -hmm. How do they stack up? Well, let's see. Sony, best wireless noise cancellation is in the business. Check to Sony. I haven't evaluated the the sound quality of, of Apple's yet, but let's just say Sony's yeah, got yeah, great like audio. Yeah, like if we had both on paper right now. Yeah, Sony's got great audio. Sony's got lighter uh, more comfortable, just generally, like if I want to have them on my head for a six-hour flight, I want the lighter headphones, so they're lighter. Sony's fold up, and they actually store smaller, which is huge if you're traveling with them in a backpack or something like that. Apple's absolutely don't fold up or get any comp no, compact that at all. That part's just embarrassing. The case is one of the strangest we'll, accessories we'll talk about I've ever that seen. In a minute. I have a pretty big gripe on that. Okay, um, the case that the Sony's come with is also a hard shell case, so it protects it. So you can toss it in a duffel yeah. bag, toss it in a backpack, something like that. The Sony's have a 30-hour rated battery life instead of Apple's 20 hours. The Sony's have multiple device support. The Sony's have a $200 lower price tag. So on paper, I'm like, check Sony, check Sony, check Sony, check Sony. How would I get convinced to buy the Apple headphones over the Sony's unless I just want Apple headphones? I feel like this is the exact same conversation as when HomePod originally came out. Exactly. It's like, yeah, here is a competitor that is cheaper and has a million more features to it. One of them being that just like the thing it does the best that both of them have is miles ahead of the other with Google and Alexa versus Siri. Right. Um, but then it's like, is sound quality going to blow someone out of the water for this enough? Now, th the thing is, is in a HomePod like speaker that 
competition's not quite as hard because if you want a smart speaker, there's not a lot of them. These are headphones. There are true. thousands of options out very there true. for very good sounding headphones. So if sound quality is your, I feel like you have to be in this perfect niche of like Apple ecosystem audiophile if they sound like we haven't even gotten to that point we don't mm -hmm. know yet we'll know soon but like active noise canceling sleek look stupid purse <laughs> good possibly good sound quality and like be okay with the like it's past apple tax 550 dollars is yeah. a lot of money okay um, here's my here's my evaluation of the strategy from apple okay right it's the same as the pro display xdr and this is going to sound like I'm praising them, but I actually feel like there's a good amount of sense to this. I think the smart argument when you see that price is like, wow, it's the HomePod again. They've priced themselves out of most of the market and valued something like sound quality that most people don't care that much about, $500 that much about. But I, I would call this like the Tesla strategy, which is they will start with a really high-end product that's overpriced to most people. Most people won't buy it but it's so that they can establish their technology and then use the profits from that to make a lower priced version and then use the profits from that to make a lower priced version. So you're coming down in price. So everyone knows you for your, your high tech stuff. I'm thinking like Roadster and Model S the way they started. Mm -hmm. And then once everyone's established that as like the highest tech, the best quality in some way, then when you bring out a lower priced version, then everyone can jump on it. And it's still kind of premium. Like Model 3 is still pretty expensive. Yeah. But you've already established your awesome tech at the higher end. And I think audio from Apple kind of works the same way. Look at HomePod. Started off with a $350 smart speaker where really they worked for a very long time on making it sound as good as possible. Now, most people don't care that much about the sound, but they're establishing themselves as the tech leaders and they're establishing themselves for their quality of sound. So when they finally, years later, make a still premium but much less expensive version, HomePod Mini, a lot of people are more likely to jump in because mm -hmm. they've heard good things about HomePod. So same thing with the headphones. Now you get these $550 incredibly high-end headphones. We've heard, we've seen articles about how they've been working on these for four years, which mm -hmm. is a long time for any company to work on anything in tech. And again, we're going to see how good these actually sound, but basically their focus is to make these the tech leaders as good as possible. And maybe in a year or two or three or who knows, will have, oh God, the name, uh, AirPods Pro Max Lite or something yeah, <laughs> that's think... like 150 bucks where everyone goes, ah, I heard about the Pro, the, the Max, this is gonna be where I jump in on Apple's over-ear headphones. It's kind of weird though, because it's like, I guess in that sense, it would have to be specifically on headphones, not, because they already have an audio, a wireless audio solution that's AirPods, which are, your buds, not your yeah. headphones that went the opposite way. Or did they just upgrade? Like, I don't know. I think did most they people put the don't. Cheaper and then the more expensive, or did they just upgrade it while keeping the cheaper ones around? I, I, I think in my head, maybe I do this more than others, but I think of over ear headphones and earbuds as like very separate products. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But like in that sense, the way they put those out, they put the cheaper one out and then the more expensive ones. I still think there's room for. Oh, true. It sounds weird, but a more expensive versions of oh my god, don't, don't AirPods say Max. <laughs> like I said, we <laughs> talked about Studio. Like I, I could see a Pro version here where 
it would make more sense to me having a higher price tag. Yeah, you know, but the like, name it's so high now. It is really high. I think the name is maybe throwing us off a little I bit. I think so. But if you look at Pro Display XDR, mm-hmm. a lot of this same conversation happened where it was like, all right, what is Pro Display XDR? It's a six thousand dollar monitor. Most people will never even consider buying a six thousand dollar monitor. But for a small niche group who really appreciates what they've had to spend 40 grand on for a reference monitor for 6K resolution for, you know, single cable, high quality images and accuracy, this was like a breakthrough tech. And it, it took Apple a lot of work to work really hard to make that display possible. And now that it exists, if they make a some other display XDR and it's a third of the price, I think a lot more people will hear good things about Pro Display XDR and jump in on that. And I think maybe these headphones, at the risk of sounding like I'm defending their price, is maybe just like a ton of R&D has gone into this I, and they're spent, you know, they spent tons of time and effort to make this very difficult to make thing. I don't know how difficult these headphones are to make. I'm but, sure they are. But if I'm there's sure something to that, then maybe eventually the plan is you know, these headphones aren't for most people. I think we see an Apple product and we're like, wow, Apple Sheep will buy that too. But mm. like, it's it's a very not for most people product and maybe eventually we get a third of the price version that is for more people. So like, I can, I see, th- I see that perfectly with the Pro Display XDR and I think I'm just having a really hard time and I think this segues into like my main gripe on these is I don't know what the, the niche, the like niches here like yeah. what is who well, who's the target demographic for this because it's not like the pro display xdr is obviously a reference monitor for people who are really like professionals doing video editing and want perfect color calibration whereas mm-hmm. this is like it's supposed to be high sound quality but it's not going to match something like your like high grade Sennheisers that are wired and can okay stay and, with me okay okay so I I compared it in the video to the I have a two thousand four hundred dollar pair of Sennheiser reference yeah. headphones and to me again if you're giving benefit of the doubt to Apple and sound quality which is a lot but let's say we give it to them yeah yeah then I'm on board for giving them that okay benefit, so yeah. then these headphones are a much lighter wireless much more convenient much more technically impressive and feature-packed version of the Sennheisers for a fifth of the price. And so maybe, maybe for the people who are buying those six, seven, eight, nine hundred, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollar headphones, audiophiles who just want pure amazing audio experience have been annoyed by cables and maybe there's okay. something to them wanting like a like an AirPods Max version of that experience to like take on a plane then I think best case scenario for these are the fact that they have W1 chip can connect to a Macintosh computer for audio and video editing wirelessly and hope that through wireless, it can give you a sound quality. It doesn't have to be exactly like Sennheiser. You said it's a fifth of the price, but it has to be over. Over certain threshold. Yes, it does. Um, I think my main gripe with them is how heavy they are. I don't think they would be great for a long editing session. Yeah, um, that remains to be seen. I'm quickly gonna... off the bat. Yeah, just yeah, just guessing that. Um, they're they're too heavy. I, so here's my like. This is where I kind of have an issue here, and it all comes down to the case. The case to me feels like a tell of to why I just 
don't really get these. Go on. Um, and maybe that's like why I'm thinking lo- like kind of poorly about them. I hear so many people say Apple is like a status symbol and it's like a, it's a premium brand that you buy just to have the Apple logo. And I generally don't agree with that. I think Apple has like a bunch of really, really things they do really, really well. Yes, they're more expensive, but usually I think you get the benefits of paying that extra for it. And a lot of that has to do with uh, their support. Uh, Like going to an Apple store is just something that I think you're willing to pay hundreds of extra dollars for because it's that convenient. Yeah. Um, These, if you're trying to tell me that there's some, that these are like meant for the everyday life and like supposed to be for people who are just like traveling and walking around with headphones, the case is just the dumbest thing (laughs) I've ever seen. It makes no sense. It doesn't fold up any any better the case if you're trying to visualize right now imagine like a diaper and you just put like one each headphone in each diaper leg and that's it it doesn't cover the band at all which is the softest least durable yeah i think the least that that material on the headband is very soft i think that's actually gonna potentially have some problems in the future but it just like it doesn't protect them at all it doesn't make them any smaller it holds them together you can only put it in low power mode if it's in the case which is just like so you have to use the case. I just like, it makes me feel more like this is a product that I could potentially call a status symbol because the way they created that case, if they want you to physically hold it like a purse all the time, mm-hmm. um, like that feels like a fashion slash like status kind of thing you would be walking around with and you're walking around like, I have Apple headphones. I'm wearing $550 headphones. Someone's gonna walk a yeah. red carpet with those like in their hand. Or hey, man on the subway, take this off my head because nothing is oh God, stopping true. you right now. Yeah, um, it's like, I guess I I see both sides of that case, which is when you compare it to any of the cases we use in headphones, because here's the thing, headphones are an everyday product. Mm-hmm. Like Apple makes products people use every day. They make phones, computers, speakers. People use headphones all the time. Um, when you compare this silly case to like, like I said, the Sony Mark IV is where you fold them up, you put them in there, it's a hard shell case, mm-hmm. it's protective, it's compact. Like this slips is the, in a bag super easily. Slips in a bag. This is this Apple's version of this case is super stupid. It it's pointless basically. But when you compare it to the two thousand dollars Sennheisers, which also don't fold and also don't come with any sort of case, um, you would never really consider bringing those Sennheisers anywhere. They take much more power draw. You don't just plug them into your computer. You need an amp, a preamp to go out to, mm-hmm. next to them. But these Apple ones. You kind of you kind of can bring them anywhere. You can put them in a backpack if you want. You can get almost maybe that Sennheiser audio experience, but you can bring them more places and you don't need a preamp with you everywhere. Maybe maybe that's yeah, something. It's going to a lot of, yeah. The review is going to be super interesting of these and I think finding the target demographic for it will be interesting. I think no matter what you're going to see a lot of people wearing them every day as a status symbol. Jeez. Um I don't think they look particularly great but. just a sh- just a heads up if you're planning on like walking around new york city wearing these they are not sweat or water or dust resistant at all so yeah if it rains put them away <laughs> it, yeah. they're not the really, case will not protect it the from case it. <laughs> will not protect you they're not meant to be everyday headphones at all but because it's apple you're right people are gonna just hop on this and wear them every day and make it a status symbol because hey i've got apple's 500 headphones what you got but <laughs> i don't know uh, this is it's a weird niche product, but again, I think that this is eventually a long-term play into making 
sort of like in that Beats level of like $200 wireless noise-canceling headphones that you get someone as a gift for Christmas. I think that's yeah. the next move in, in AirPods. I just don't know what they name it. So so going on that, we want, we're kind of interested on like what do you guys want us to compare it to in the review? I think it's so easy to pick like trap like would we call them just traveling headphones? Like, is that the category of like quiet comforts and yeah. the XM4s? Like, yeah. that's kind of Microsoft Surface headphones, whatever. Because I, I don't think that's exactly, the more we talk about this, I don't know if that's the demographic it's looking it's for. It's kind of like when a lot of people went up and compared the Pro Display XDR with like their 144 hertz gaming <laughs> monitor, which <laughs> is like, tough. wow, it's got way more hertz and I've got the same, almost the same resolution. Why would I buy Apple's display? Uh, it's just not the same target demographic. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. Again, send off in, on Twitter or in any comments if you got suggestions. Cool. Also, I just want to toss in there, it doesn't come with any sort of cable. I forgot to mention <laughs> that. So all of the, the headphones we've been talking about, like the Sony's and the Bose, all come with a cable. So if you're uh, plugging into your phone or plugging into the airline jack, you just, you just plug straight in. Uh, these don't come with any cable other than a USB-C to lightning charging cable. If you want a lightning to three and a half millimeter cable that'll be 35 extra dollars for yeah i wonder how long that even is i bet it's like it's probably a meter and a half and okay, if you want bad. uh one of the cool things we didn't mention about these headphones is the removable uh ear cups so there's that seems a, really nice yeah just a nice little magnetic removable ear cups a lot of people in the high-end headphone world do a lot of replacing of old ear cups and the fact that you can yeah. pop them off with magnets pop them back on is nice 69 bucks for a pair of new air ear pod covers and for the way they are yeah. i don't think that price is actually as ridiculous as it seems um i've also just really recently learned that when you're getting nicer headphones you should replace the ear cups pretty often yeah i had like my hd 6xx's uh the ear the ear cups have just become a little like ratty over two years um and mm. they were getting a little uncomfortable and then someone told me i should be replaced i think it was ron at main gear said you're supposed to be replacing them because they're supposed to keep the drivers a certain distance away from your ear to keep the sound stage that they're they compress over time. Yeah. But also they're just less comfortable. If you look at like sure. an old pair of Audio Technicas, like the leather gets like harder and starts cracking yeah. more. Like you don't want to use a three year old pair of those compared to a new one. But a lot of people will just throw them out and buy a new pair because they're like, wow, my headphones are older. Yeah. When really the truth is you've broken the drivers, they're sounding better than they ever will. Just get new new uh yeah. ear cup covers and they'll be like good as new. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's a different it's a different world out there of high-end headphones, but I guess we've talked that to death. Why don't we talk about something else, Apple World? <laughs> uh, there's a whole other section of what Apple's been doing this year, which is in the silicon world, which is basically eating Intel's lunch. Or uh, <laughs> I guess I'll just say they switched all of their low-end machines to the new M1 chips, and the reviews are out, and you guys have seen they're absolutely crushing. I am still using this MacBook Pro. It's been a couple days since I plugged it in. It's at 76%. It's crazy. Um, there's new rumors, though. And this is something I was looking forward to a lot. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. um, but of the new higher-end versions of these chips, now we, we see M1 in the lower-end one with the integrated graphics. That's all good. Eight cores, so four high-performance cores, four high-efficiency cores. Now we're talking like, well, what about the 16-inch MacBook Pro? What about the iMac? What about the Mac Pro? And uh, there's a Bloomberg article by none other than Mark Gurman, so you'd expect it to be pretty Heard accurate, yeah. um, talking about like what we might see in the next couple years. I guess it's the next two years for what they've planned for this transition. Um, and these crazy high-end 
potentially, I think it says, yeah, 32 core version of this <laughs> Apple Silicon. So I don't know if that's the M2 or like the M4 or how long it's going to take to get to that high level, but I don't know. It just got me feeling all warm and fuzzy I'm inside. I'm still really interested what naming is going to be. I think it's going to be like an M1X type of thing in so the too. higher end version. But I think when you get to the desktop, you got to go like M2. Oh, like a non-mobile. Or M10 or just a, a different branch of M for Mac Silicon. I think M10 or M, M2 or something like that. Huh. I could be wrong. M2 might be too close to M.2, which is already a pretty common computer. Oh, they pretend lingo. that doesn't exist. But true. Apple. <laughs> um. I mean, it's generally pretty easy to pretend part names don't exist because you have Sony out there naming things with 4,000 numbers in it. So, like, Apple's yeah. never going to do that. But, huh? yeah, naming should be interesting. But I'm really interested what these chips are going to do when they get to the higher end. I think that's where we're going to start seeing some, I mean, obviously crazy numbers, but I'm really interested how they deal with uh, graphics like, graphics and RAM because, like, you're seeing it all put together in these chips, which at a lower end mobile scale doesn't really matter but you have a mac pro with what 700 gigs of ram right I now ha that's the thing it's, it's so hard like the the whole recalculate title i really feel strongly about because yes my mac pro has 768 gigs of ram and yes it has these huge dedicated gpus with i maybe it's 64 or 128 gigs of vram absurd. each they're talking about uh apple's testing gigantic integrated gpus on these chips with 16 and 32 core graphics parts on the chip which is like i guess you can scale up the integrated gpu but is that the move i, I still just like i'm wondering if i just my understanding of chips is just wrong like when <laughs> does it not be considered a chip how big can a chip get how before big, it's yeah. not a chip anymore does it have to be standard snack size chip or are we <laughs> like are we on bite size right now and we're gonna go into real ones it's like family size yeah like what's gonna happen is it our motherboards of the future just going to be like one solid sheet of metal that just like Hell looks yeah. like a giant CPU. And then I love that. It wouldn't need any, I know it need insane cooling. What kind of cooler would you put? Uh, <laughs> oh man, computers are going to get weird and computers they're going to get are, really cool. Exactly. They are changing very quickly. And the next two years of Apple Silicon will say a lot about how Apple envisions the future of computers yeah. and computing. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, what does it say? Apple is working on pricier graphics upgrades with 64 and 128 dedicated cores aimed at its highest-end machines. These graphics chips would be several times faster than the current graphics modules Apple uses from NVIDIA and AMD and its Intel-powered hardware. That's the last paragraph. I am, hmm. I am so happy about that paragraph. I also find it really funny that, do you remember that commercial they did like a year or two ago where uh, there's that girl like sitting in the grass in her backyard with her iPad and, and the guy goes, oh, what you doing on your computer? And she's like, what's a computer? And mm -hmm. now they're like attacking some of the most powerful computers <laughs> in the world. So it's like, oh, on this hand, iPad will replace all computers. On this hand, our computer will place all, mm -hmm. replace all computers. Uh, yeah, that's actually kind of funny. I mean, as much as I've talked about, uh, you know, iPads being like close to computers, Mac OS Big Sur looks a lot like it's designed for me to use it with my finger. So <laughs> they are kind of moving in a weird way with that. It's, do you remember when Windows tried to do that, though? It did not go very well. It didn't. Eight, they did tiles. Windows 8? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And they wanted you to use a mouse with gigantic tiles. Why? I just recently... I mean, there are touchscreen Windows computers, so yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not crazy. But it, um, it was an interesting concept, but it worked so poorly on regular desktop. I just um, upgraded my... Uh, 
father-in-law's computer and it had windows 8 on it before and i was just like i don't know how you deal with this every day <laughs> yeah. uh, man yeah there's there's a lot changing in in apple's world but i don't know maybe it's time to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about that last change which is on their most popular product which is the iphone we're going to talk with mark german who wrote that bloomberg article just about apple getting rid of the port on the iPhone. The past, present, and future of Apple getting rid of things, how we feel about it, what it could mean for the rest of the industry, because we know they all, you know, sort of follow in those footsteps. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think right. finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at orus.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there's no way 
that, that Israel should be able to participate in your... Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. All right, welcome back. So we have a quick conversation with Mark Gurman that I talked about. There was, of course, that recent video on the channel where we talked all about the possibility of a portless iPhone 13, whether we thought it would happen or not. And there's some clips from our conversation in that video. But this, what you're about to listen to, is a full unedited chat. Talk about a lot more. Talk about Johnny Ives' role at Apple. Talk about what other companies could do in response, how quickly it could all happen. It's a pretty fine conversation, so let's dive in. All right, Mark, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Happy to do this. Uh, yeah. your stuff, obviously. Appreciate it. So uh, I've had a lot of questions. A lot. Of, we've seen sort of the rumblings over the last year or so of all these talks of, yeah, maybe Apple is going to get rid of the, the Lightning port and the iPhone soon. And I figured if there was anyone good to ask about the possibility of this, it was you. Uh, I guess I'll just float the idea. When I say that, what, what do you think immediately? Is there anything that comes to mind? Is this... Is, do you think it's definitely happening, definitely not happening? I, I think it's a given. This is for sure happening. So I've been hearing for years that they want to do this, starting with the iPhone 10. So when they were developing the iPhone 10 uh, across 2015 to 2017, the goal was to remove as many of the buttons and ports as possible. So obviously they got the home button uh, out. They got the touch ID out, replacing with face ID. And one of the things they wanted to do at the time was remove the lightning connector completely. That was Johnny Ive and the design team's goal at the time. But it just wasn't feasible getting wireless charging out of its infancy at low price points in a way that could replace a, you know, included cable. It was just not feasible at the time. But now, three, four years later, we're starting to see it be feasible, right? Like I know you've been using uh, the iPhone 12 for a few weeks now, or, and I've been, mm -hmm. you know, using it as well too. And I, I've only plugged it in a couple times just for CarPlay, right? I don't have it for any other use case because I have the MagSafe adapter. Wireless charging has been everywhere. I, I can't count the amount of wireless chargers I have stuffed in my closet and drawers here. So, you know, I think this is something we're going to start to see. I think we'll start seeing a transition away from including the port on some iPhone models, probably as early as the end of next year. So I think the time is right, and they're going to have the MagSafe Duo coming out as well, hopefully at the end of the year. I know you've been testing it. I haven't gotten my hands on it. But if they're able to get that price point of the MagSafe down to a point where they can include it in the box, they should be able to start releasing iPhones with that in the box because it's 40 bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, they won't include the power adapter. So I think it could definitely happen with MagSafe as the, uh, as the replacement. So first thing is timeline. I know we've talked about like, I thought seeing MagSafe was like Apple's version of, all right, we fixed wireless charging. This is good enough now. Uh, so you think this could maybe start as early as the next iPhone having no ports? I think it's possible. You know, a lot of things got pushed back and changed because of COVID. Obviously the whole air power incident threw a wrench into their general wireless charging plans. I think people don't realize how recently MagSafe came together. Uh, my impression is that this was a project that only really took off when it came off the ground at the end of last year. 
uh, early this year. I mean, I'm sure the the sensors and the magnets and such that were in the phone uh, needed to do this were already in the design stages and implemented, you know, well over a year ago. But in terms of actually uh, creating that accessory ecosystem and making that MagSafe adapter, I'm pretty sure work on that really only started in earnest at the very tail end of last year or early in 2020. They were really hoping to get air power off the ground uh, before they, they canceled it early 2019. Okay, so I know there's a lot of uh, posturing that Apple does when they get rid of things. They tend to have an angle for like why they removed it. So when they got rid of the home button, it was these gestures, and that was very futuristic. They got rid of the headphone jack, and it was more... Uh, you know, there's more space in the phone, I guess, for more, for more battery and more parts. And then they got rid of uh, the charger in the box, and it was an environmental angle, of course. What do you think could possibly be Apple's uh, explanation or angle to justify or explain why they wanted to get rid of the port, the last piece you could plug in? Yeah, you know, I think that their explanation for removing the charging port is going to probably be nearly identical to their explanation for removing the headphone jack. Their rationale is probably going to be the same. One, you don't need it. Two, we have wireless. Three, it takes up, you know, valuable space that they can use for other things, whether that's making a, a larger battery or other little gizmos they can throw in there, right? I mean, this is what would make sense to me. So my sense is that they're going to add in-screen fingerprint, whether that's in the 21 phone or the 22 phone. That okay. probably, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but I assume that's going to take up a little bit more space inside the phone to have that sensor underneath the display, right? So I would say, you know what, they'll probably be like, this is the trade-off. We're going to remove that port that you probably don't use or need anyways, and we're going to put it put uh, that the under screen fingerprint, a larger battery, better camera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in the phone. And, you know, and sometimes these things are not tied to a specific year or a specific model, right? So let's say they, they remove the, the charger from next year's phone and they don't add any other breakthrough new feature that takes up more space, right? What that still does introduces the idea and the technology of removing that port for when they actually do need the space further down the road. Does that make sense? So they remove the charging port, don't make any changes maybe year one, but two or three or four years down the road, you start to see, okay, that's what they needed that room for. That's what the, the charging mechanism took up too much space for. Yeah, I, I can see that. I guess to me, it's just, it's it looks a lot more difficult to justify like buying the phone with no other changes, but no port. Uh, but I, that actually brings me to the next question, which is, Okay, you and I, we have wireless chargers sitting around. You have three or four. I have a bunch, you know, just kind of, we can use wireless charging. But does the average person uh, wireless charge their phone most often? I feel like that's the number one use case of plugging in your phone. I would say the average person probably doesn't use wireless charging. You know, it's still not at the point where it's everywhere. I remember Starbucks, they tried this a few years ago. They were going to put wireless charging pads in a bunch of the tables there, right? I've seen airports do it in some of their areas there. But what Apple's really going to need to do to pull this off is they're going to need to work with their retail partners, others, to really bolster the sale of wireless charging. They're going to need to promote more wireless charging. They're going to need to work with companies like Belkin and Mophie and others further. And what really is going to need to happen, to be honest with you, is they can't pull this off unless they put the MagSafe in the box, right? At $40 this year, I'm sure they can get the margins down at higher quantities to being able to feasibly price it at $20 or $30, 
the the charging cable I believe is 10 or 20. So if they only put it into the higher margin, higher priced phones at the beginning, it should be a wash if you take into account the few dollar savings you're going to get on each unit by removing the charging mechanism, not including that cable anymore. So I would say that they definitely have to include that MagSafe in the box to alleviate that issue. They might also need to lower the price of the cable from $40 to $20 or $30, um, maybe lower the price of that charging brick as well. But I think you know time allows for, for stronger margins on these products and time allows for lower prices. So I think we'll all even out. Trust me, if they move to a portless iPhone and don't include the MagSafe on the box, you know I'm going to lose my mind on Twitter, right? So, you know, that <laughs> yeah. would be that would be pretty controversial. And um, I would yeah. be shocked if they did that. But on the other hand, you know, they're the same company that said they're moving away for environmental reasons this year, but really requires you to go ahead and buy uh, that new charger for, you know, 40 or $60, depending if you get the MagSafe as well, to really take full advantage of that full power charging. So I guess anything's yeah. possible. Anything is possible. Uh, to me, it just seems like every phone, every phone has to have some way to get it charged in the box. This year, you know, not having the brick, it's like, okay, you could still have your cable and your old brick or some brick already, and it might still charge. But to ship a phone with like nothing in the box, because obviously you don't ship a cable, se seems wild to me. But again, anything is possible. I'm pretty confident when they do it, they will ship it with the MagSafe in the box. I mean, it would be no different to the Apple Watch situation where they ship the Apple Watch with that MagSafe adapter. You know, one thing they could honestly do is like, you know how on the Apple Watch they have like the cheap and premium MagSafe? On the lower end yeah. watches, it has like the plastic MagSafe and the higher end watches, it has like the aluminum MagSafe. I'm not really sure that costs them that much money, but maybe they do a plastic MagSafe for the phone that they throw into the box, right? And, you know, I guess there's a larger question here, right? Like their connector strategy is just all over the place, right? Right now you have, you know this, you know, you're the one who complains most about this. USB-C, you know? I yeah. mean, they've got USB-C in almost all the iPads now. They've got USB-C in these laptops. I feel like just having that connector everywhere would have been fine. Just just USB-C the iPhone, but hey, yeah. they're, they're working towards something. So, okay, what's uh, what's next then? If they've gotten rid of the home button, they've gotten rid of the headphone jack, they're getting rid of the port, are the buttons next? Oof, that's a good one. I don't see how they can remove the uh, the buttons, to be honest. I thought they were going to get rid of the uh, the volume, or sorry, the uh, the. Uh, I thought they were. I thought they were going to get rid of the vibrate switch um, because mm. that seemed like a natural one you could replace. I remember they removed that from the iPad. I believe it was the iPad. I would say. The iPad Air, starting with the iPad Air maybe, or the one after, or sorry, the iPad Air 2, right? They yeah. removed the switch to go between silent, and you can also set it to orientation lock and all that, and they basically made it a control center switch, or if you press down on the lower uh, volume button, you can quickly silent the phone. So I think that's probably the only other one they would be able to feasibly remove is that rocker um, I, I, in terms of the slider for, for vibrate or... Uh, ring or silent i don't see how they could remove the volume up or down or the power button right um the other interesting thing to me is data so right now as you know magsafe it only does charge you can't do data so it won't work for carplay it won't work for MagSync, won't work for things where you actually have to transfer information so that's something that's going to have to be solved whether that's a software change a hardware change to the phone or a hardware change to the, the magsafe adapter itself 
they're going to need to figure out a way to do cable-based data transfer. Uh, just like on the Apple Watch, there's the diagnostic port under the uh, under the band lugs on one of the sides where at a Genius Bar, Apple Care can put a little tool there to connect over a hardware line. So they're going to need to figure out a way for that. They're also going to need to figure out a way to go uh, wireless CarPlay, right? Because lots of people use CarPlay, but I would say probably sub 10% of CarPlay users have a wireless CarPlay enabled car. And obviously people aren't going to run out and buy a whole new car for wireless CarPlay. And it's mm-hmm. like you're a, an extreme Apple fanboy, <laughs> right? And even then yeah. that's a stretch, right? Um, so they're going to need to either come out with some sort of wireless CarPlay adapter. They're going to need to add data to MagSafe and allow that to be connected to your car. But then on top of that, lots of cars for CarPlay, at least in my car, it's USB 2, right? Whereas MagSafe is USB-C on the other end. So they're going to need to figure those out. But those don't seem like extreme challenges, if I were to be honest with you, right? Like those seem like minor fixes that they'd be able to get in with, with a year's time. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess, you know, we, we, we brought up Johnny Ive at the very beginning, and this seems like a very Johnny Ive thing to do, which is to to go super minimal and reduce everything. Uh, is this still part of the greater Apple vision is to get to this portless slab with a screen, even though Johnny Ive is not part of Apple anymore? I think so, right? I mean, removing by removing the charging port, that means you're not going to have any open connectors, any open holes or inputs in the phone anymore. And I know the, the dust proofing and the waterproofing and all that resistance on, on the phones are, are, are pretty good. But my assumption is if you remove all sorts of, you know, uh, holes there, it would make it even better. Obviously, like I said, there's lots of challenges to, to work through before getting to that point. But none of these barriers or none of these things seem like a real barrier to me. Some things that won't be able to make it happen. So I would expect we're going to see at least one portless phone in 21, and they'll probably transition the whole line across the, the, the few years after that, at the very least. So I'd be shocked if this doesn't happen. I mean, we've seen the direction uh, of the watch and the Mac and all those charging strategies. Uh, I guess the, the, the question is, what happens to the iPad? My assumption is that's never going to transition, or if it does, that'll be so many years down the road, um, given the size and it being more like a Mac. Uh, in that regard. Got it. All right, Mark, thank you for answering my questions and for taking the time. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks again to Mark German for that chat. Again, one of the most notable and accurate Apple reporters I've ever seen. Obviously, he has an incredible track record. So if you want to follow more of what he reports on, I'll link his Twitter in the show notes. He writes for Bloomberg. And uh, that's been it for this Waveform episode. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Waveform is brought to you in part with Studio 71 and our intro outro music was created by Cameron Barlow.